Welcome to ADHD Crash Course, the podcast for those of us who feel we have a lot to learn about ADHD, and that includes me. My name's Danae Cannon, and I'm your host. I'm an occupational therapist, a certified coach, a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I have ADHD. So welcome to the Crash Course. We're in this together, and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. I am back from the holiday after I would not call it a restful break. We got hit with the COVID as my in-laws call it and all six of us went down in flames. Now, fortunately, we didn't spread this to anyone else in our family, our extended family, and we did not need to go to the hospital or have any extra care, but we did have a bumpy couple of weeks at home. And so I am glad to be back in somewhat of a normal routine Even though my voice might be a little froggy today, you're going to have to bear with me. So today we're going to talk about ADHD and motherhood. A while back, I made an Instagram post and it had a Venn diagram of three different circles of people who are hard on themselves. And one circle had women and one circle had people with ADHD and the other circle had mothers. And so the women that I work with absolutely reside in two of these circles, and many of them reside in all three, in that intersection of all three. And so this episode is for the women who want to talk more about that trifecta, whether it's that you are smack in the heart of parenting or that you are considering that, and just some thoughts for those who find themselves in this intersection of people who are tough on themselves. And of course, you know, one of the first things I'm going to say is be gentle with yourself. This is a huge piece of all of the work that I do personally and professionally is be gentle with yourself. It is not an easy place to be to be parenting in modern day society with ADHD. Very often we're also parenting kids who are neurodivergent kids and because of genetics and that is even more complicated. And so what I wanted to offer today was just some thoughts that I would have loved to have known in in the beginning of this journey, but I have them now and I thought I would share them. Number one is that if you do have ADHD, if you suspect you have ADHD, learn all that you can about your brain. I didn't find out that I had ADHD until my second child was diagnosed, so I kind of had to go about this backwards. I was scrambling to meet the needs of my kids before I was able to meet my own needs when it came to my brain, and it was a very sloppy... process. And I think as a parent that a lot of times we're the afterthought because we want to help our kids and meet their needs and we don't recognize that, hey, supporting ourselves might be the best way to help them meet their needs. And I certainly would have started that process earlier for myself if I'd recognized how much easier it would be to help my children even with their issues if I had a better understanding of my brain and what I needed. The next thing I would have told myself that is not specifically an ADHD piece of wisdom, but one that is just for mothers in general, parents in general, that no one has your answers. It is really easy in the beginning to just assume that everybody is the expert, everybody knows the answers that are going to work for you. And Even when you discover your own answers, like when you have four children, they're not answers that always apply to everyone. Why? Because every piece of parenting advice you either create, receive, read from a best-selling book or from your best friend or from your grandma, it is all based on a dynamic. It's a parent, a child, and an environment that could be a time, that could be a place, but there's an environment involved as well. And so no matter who's giving you advice, it's based on a specific dynamic. 
And that may or may not be your dynamic. And so you might find that a different parent or a different child or being in a different environment is going to greatly alter whether that advice is great advice for you, whether those answers fit for you. Now, when I had my first child, I was on the brink of sanity with sleep deprivation. I was so exhausted. We were bad at sleep together. She, in retrospect, she had a lot of GI things and and ear infections and things that were really impacting how she could soothe and how comfortable she was. But that's the thing about a lot of these global answers. They don't really consider those specifics. And so I had a really dear friend who's a lovely person. I, I hold no ill will towards her, but she told me that what I needed to do was to embrace sleep training. And when I looked at her, it was working so well for her and her daughter. Her child like rolled with the program in a few days and she was sleeping like a champ. And my friend looked fresh and sane and amazing. And it was the perfect solution for her and her child. And so she was also a very structured person and she thrived in that way. She had a child who didn't have some of the other physical things going on that my child had. And she she also was returning to work and really needed to have her sleep nailed down so she could function well. There were so many reasons why this was the right fit for her. And so I didn't recognize any of this. And I just said, well, okay, she's she's got this nailed. I'm going to do what she's doing. And I tried to apply her parenting approach to my dynamic and it was a disaster. Now, I'm not naturally a regimented person. Now that I have ADHD, I can recognize that trying to follow something so exacting when I was already in this hormonal exhausted mess was like a recipe for failure. But at the time, I honestly trusted other people's authority, other people's experience so much more than mine. And so I tried to follow her advice and I read all the books she told me to read on sleep and it was a disaster. We were sleep failures and I was like tearful mess because this was not the right fit for me. And here's the temptation when this kind of thing happens. You're either going to blame yourself. Oh, I just suck. I can't do the sleep thing. What's the matter with me? Or you're going to moralize this and decide the reason it failed is because you are the better person and that you are an attachment parent that is doing this better and they are totally wrong. And neither one of those is helpful because we we want to have right and wrong in this stuff and lots of parenting stuff. Either she's the sleep tyrant with a heart of stone and her kid's gonna be emotionally stunted or I am weak-willed and a pushover and I'm gonna be breastfeeding my college freshman who is going to fail to launch. And we want these extremes to feel more comfortable and more secure in our decisions. And we feel confident in our decisions sometimes when we discredit or even demonize other decisions. And so the experts do this too. They couldn't sell books and programs if they didn't. If it wasn't my way or the highway, they wouldn't really have the kind of authority to be a bestseller. You know, would you go buy a book that said, hey, this worked for me, it might work for you too, but realistically, like a 25% chance, no, you're not gonna go and put that in your Amazon cart. You want the slam dunk. And of course, we want these big dramatic solutions when we're overwhelmed with a big problem. And that was definitely me. You know, for me, my approach, especially when I feel out of my depth in something is usually one of two things. I'm either gonna totally shut down, I'm just not gonna deal with the problem, or I'm gonna go into hyper-focused warrior mode and I'm gonna figure out the solution. I'm gonna battle out the solution. And so my first year or two of parenting kind of vacillated between these two, but mostly warrior mode, which is an exhausted mode to be in. Um, And I'll never forget when I was deep into warrior mode, Clint having a talk with me and he said, "Um, you're going to have to stop with the books. 
and he held up, I don't remember which book, like how to breastfeed your child into the Ivy Leagues or something. And he said, this, this has got to go. You're driving yourself insane. And I'm not so far behind you. Seriously, Danae, like no more. And I don't know why. Maybe I'd gotten a couple hours more sleep that night, but something about that pep talk kind of clicked for me. And I put away some of the books and some of the advice, and I started to practice trusting myself. Now, I'm not advocating that you just go Lone Ranger and you never tap into the wisdom and the resources that are around you. But I think for those of us who are really in the depths of trying to get the right answer, recognizing that no one really has your answers and that you are every bit as much an important part of the dynamic as your child, as the environment. So consider yourself, trust yourself in the process. Okay, another thing that I would have told early parenting me is that it's okay if you don't love every moment. You know, I mentioned this in a podcast, I think it was a CBT podcast about what a mind trip it was to have people stop me in the grocery store and tell me to enjoy every moment. I believe people mean well. I don't think that anybody would mean for that to be isolating or overwhelming. People really do just want to encourage you to appreciate your moments with your kids because they are, they can be fleeting moments and your kids are growing. But sometimes I think we've ended up with this kind of glorified idea of parenthood that we're just supposed to love and cherish every moment moment and that's not realistic nor particularly helpful. We don't have that same pressure in other relationships, not that I see, not in romantic relationships. Most of us have maybe more balance on what a realistic committed relationship is going to look like with a partner, but somehow with parenting, especially in motherhood, it's this expectation that this is going to be all rainbows. And so for me, I did have a difficult time at first with that because I wasn't surrounded by a lot of people who were transparent and real that there was really difficulty in this along with the beautiful stuff. You know, I was surrounded with the people that it was all rainbows and confidence and I didn't really fit. You know, there was this poem that is actually a very beautiful poem, but it's also kind of panic inducing. <laughs> it's And it's this poetic take that every moment as your kid grows could be the last time they're doing certain things. It could be the last time they want you to read them a story or hold your hand across the street or crawl in bed with you. And it's sweet and nostalgic. It can kind of make you tear up. But I also wanted to add some balance to that because it is a precious time. But when there is a last for something, it makes room for the first of other things. And yeah, there's a last time for all of that sweetness, but it makes room for the first time of some really cool things. Like the first time your daughter asks if you're okay because you were quiet at dinner and actually listens to your response. Or the first time your son delivers a truly funny yet inappropriate joke or the first time your daughter talks about how wonderfully developed her characters in her novel that she's reading are you know when you leave one land of parenting you enter another and sometimes there's this glorification of oh when the kids are tiny and we're meant to expect this horrendous period of time when they're teenagers. And I I haven't found that to be true for me. I've found that there are beautiful and difficult times in all phases of parenting. And so I don't think that you're leaving the best times behind at any one point. Okay, my third piece of advice for pre-kid me is to embrace imperfection because you're going to mess things up and it probably won't be the things you think you're messing up. So there's that. You're going to have things that you would like to read 
do. And this is reasonable. If you're parenting a child, they're going to be living with you under your direct influence, like for the better part of two decades. Hopefully we learned something in the span of two decades that we would have wanted to bring to our parenting game. Like the only people who won't want some kind of redo are the people who think they have it all figured out and have not been interested in growing. We're not gonna be those people. We're gonna be the people that learn something One of the things that I would have loved to have done differently is how I approached food with my kids. I went in with the knowledge that I had at that time, which is really all we can do. And I was all about the healthy foods and really limiting sugar and managing food for my kids, not from a weight or a body size standpoint, because I really wanted them to be healthy. And I thought that that was the best thing I could do for them. But the effect, the overall effect of that approach wasn't great. It kind of undermined their intuition about food. And that was more with my older two. And by the time my youngest child rolled around, he was like, slamming airheads and chasing it with Mountain Dew because I was really, really tired and he had older siblings. And so, but what I did see with him was that he has no energy around good and bad foods. Like he's really in sync, the most in sync with his body. He stops eating food that he loves because he's had enough. He often thinks something's too sweet or, you know, he's way more in sync to his body. And I wish that I had been able to offer all of my kids that, but I didn't know that. I didn't, I found that somewhat accidentally. And then the more that I've pursued things like intuitive eating and the more that I have kind of grown in that area myself, well, now I have better things to offer my kids. And so So hopefully you will find yourself wanting some redos in that is a good thing. I don't think if you feel that you've done it all perfectly well, then you are not likely grounded in reality or you're not likely growing. And so I think that that's something that we just have to embrace in this whole road of parenthood is that, you know, we're going to get some things wrong and that our kids are going to be okay. Even though we've gotten some things wrong, they're going to make it. The next thing that I would tell myself is don't forget to nurture you. Now, this advice can come across as one more thing we should be doing. It can feel kind of heavy. And so when I say nurture yourself, I just mean that the care of you is a priority. And that means different things to different people. You know, when you're parenting, especially young kids, oftentimes they have needs that are the priority. They're not things they can do for themselves. And they have needs that push us from one mini emergency to the next. And there's some element of that that cannot be avoided or controlled. But what happens to some of us is we get in that mode and we stay there out of habit. There comes a time when we need to be added back into that priority list and it may not ever feel urgent enough. So even if it doesn't feel urgent, it actually is. You can't take care of people if you're constantly depleted or last on the list. It just doesn't end well. And so I know when my kids were really young, it was tough for me. I have a brain that really thrives with novelty and interest and change and challenge. And in the beginning of motherhood, it was so overwhelming and I just wasn't able to get my needs met, not not in a physical sense in terms of sleep and nutrition, but especially in a mental and and a spiritual sense, it was just... That was the reality for me. And I stayed home with my kiddos when they were tiny. And it was a huge transition to go from my career as a therapist where I had lots of external structure. And that can make a big difference for those of us with ADHD and lots of feedback about how I was doing and the impact I was making. And even some semblance of control over my days. I went from that to staying home with tiny people without structure or feedback. And definitely with very little sense of control of my days, it was tough for me. And I remember once being in tears and telling my husband, I used used to be so much more interesting. And he patted my back and he just said, no, you weren't. 
And I just looked at him like, seriously? And he, of course, was like quick to scramble to try to salvage the moment. Luckily, I have a decent sense of humor and I can roll with it. But no matter how artful or not artful Clint was in that moment, the truth was that a lot of the things that did nurture me weren't really possible for me to pursue at first. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the bandwidth. It took a while for me to be able to adjust and have the ability to add those things that I needed back into my life. But once I could and did, it made a huge difference. So for me, nurturing myself wasn't necessarily the rest and the care that we often think when it comes to nurture. For me, it was meeting what I now recognize were my brain needs, like interest, challenge, novelty, fun. Like that was the nurturing that I needed. And once I had space to provide that for myself, I was in a much healthier, happier place, even if my husband didn't think I was any more interesting. So to finish up this podcast, I wanted to give you a few mothers from the animal kingdom that you are totally beating at motherhood, okay? We have the harp seal. So she basically feeds her baby for a little under two weeks and then she bails forever, like she never comes back. We have the black eagle. When her chicks fight, she does not get involved. Even if like the older sibling kills the other one, she's not getting involved in it. Pandas. I love pandas. This is a tough one to swallow, but they often have twins, right? That's cute. Well, she picks a favorite and only takes care of that one. It's rough. The house sparrow is a good mom to its own chicks. It causes a lot of scandalous drama, though. She is the embarrassing mom to have because she will attack the nests of other birds that have mated with her baby's daddy. She's a dedicated mom, but she's no one you want at the PTA. The cuckoo lays its eggs in another bird's nest and then totally bails and leaves the other bird to raise her baby. And the bearing beetle will eat their young if they pester them too much. So no matter how you're doing at motherhood, I think it's safe to say you're doing better than that. So that brings us to the end of our podcast episode today, ADHD and Motherhood. Thank you so much for joining me. Please check me out on Instagram, on Facebook, The ADHD Clarity Coach. Also, my website, theadhdclaritycoach.com is where I have blog articles, this podcast, and other resources. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week.